Welcome to the FPC Thomasville podcast. We believe human life has a designer. So learning to live by design will help you thrive within all your spheres of influence. Today, Reverend Skylar Adams will share a message titled Christmas 2.0. The scripture passage for today is 1 John chapter 2, verse 28 through chapter 3, verse 3, which will help us answer the question, how can the future shape the present? Last Sunday of the year. So let's talk about Christmas. Christ's second coming, that is. We're close because Clemson won. <laughs> the message is Christmas 2.0. We're going to look at a story that John breaks mid-thought to express like a geyser that of Christ's return. And why not on the heels of the tradition that we've inherited to, to celebrate Christmas, culmination of Advent, to consider his second Advent, his second coming. So I invite you to turn with me to 1 John chapter 2. If you're unfamiliar with where that is, go to the very back and thumb your way toward the front. If you make it to Peter, you've gone too far. It's a small one. It's a small letter to us. As you're getting there, I want to orient you to this text. Strong arguments, strong disagreements. Family breakups, when, when two sides are opposed with such conviction, something often happens to one or both parties. They begin to doubt if they're right. Right? If, you, if you've ever been in an argument and you're both impassioned to a point where you're convinced that you've got the right side and you hear theirs and they're feeling the same way, after you've slept on it for a moment, you might think, well, am I right or are they right? Strong disagreements can create this doubt. I remember recently watching the Star Wars trilogy, and Luke is convinced that his father's heart is conflicted, right? Dad, you still got some good in you. You're not totally sold out to the dark side. Remember that scene? No, son, you're not. I am fully dark. Luke is so convinced he's willing to die for it, right? Remember how the emperor is electrocuting him? And you're wondering how much more electricity he's going to be able to take uh, before something ends up happening. And you could say that as a result, Vader's doubts that maybe I'm not. My love for him, he's convinced me through conviction, perhaps there is something there. And sure enough, you know the story. So as we come to this passage, John is writing to the churches that he has helped to start because they're experiencing a major breakup. There's a number of people who have left claiming to hold the truth. And he writes to speak into that because they're wondering, wait, did we get it right? Are we on the right side of history here? And it's from that position that we come to John's words 
this morning. So beginning in verse 28, we will read through verse 3 of chapter 3. And now, little children, abide in him. That sounds like John, doesn't it? So that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. It also sounds like John. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, that is Jesus, we will be like him because we will see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Let's pray together. Lord, your word is strong, it's powerful, it's sharp, it's kind, it's illuminating. It is the path of life. And through it and by it, we seek to find the one who gives us new life. So we pray in this moment, in these next few minutes, that you, by your spirit, would lift our eyes to see, to behold yet again, the one who has come and is to come. We pray it in his name. Amen. I said it as we entered the Apostles, or excuse me, yeah, the Apostles' Creed. Repetition is the key to learning. You teachers out there by, by vocation know this to be true. And likely you parents are very familiar with this same uh, truth. Repetition is the key to learning. T.S. Eliot wrote, said, at the end of all our exploring will be to arrive where we started, to know the place for the first time. Have you ever learned something? And at this point in life, you're, you're teaching someone behind you to do the very same thing. And as you return um, to the sort of nuts and bolts of that industry, of that trade, you have like an aha moment. Because after having done it for some time, you return to it, and as you're teaching them, it sinks in deeper. Repetition is the key to learning. Some would say that teach the subject is the way to master the subject. Children need to be reminded. They need the repetition. You don't have to search far and wide to see this. And don't mistake what is meant by children. This is a relationship. This is a standing. This isn't necessarily an age because, in fact, we're all maturing in some way or another. And what is true of us is that we need to be reminded over and over and over again. The truth that repetition is the key to learning is something we have to ourselves submit to. The truth about us must be repeated in our heads so that we might believe it. And this passage reminds us that when we don't, what happens? If we don't abide, verse 28, if we aren't reminded of him in our place with him, what do we do? We seek other things. We, we begin to abide in other places, we begin to place our trust in things that simply cannot deliver on their promise. John knows that. And this morning, as he did to his original context, I want us to hear from him again. 
a reminder, a reminder. The children want to see their dad. Children want to see their dad. Do you remember that? They want to see him. And two things, they want to see their dad's commitment to them. And they want to see their dad's expectations of them. Children want to see their dad. You need to be reminded of that this morning. Let John show us the way. First, children want to see their dad's commitment to them. John is blown away. He, he stops and he says, we've been born of him. And he stops kind of like how Paul would sort of just gush after he's taught something and just sort of blow up in, in, in sort of doxological music. And he says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us. And you can't see it in the English, but this is actually an idiom at the start of this sentence. And literally it says, behold, what country this love comes from. You know, we don't say things like, you know, if you were to write a letter to meet the ears of everyone, if you say something like, uh, it's raining cats and dogs. Somebody would probably not know what that meant or think you lived in a strange planet. See, we can't really grasp what, what Paul is, or excuse me, what John is saying. He's, he's essentially saying, from, from where did this type of love come? How unreal, it's off the scales, it's immeasurable. See what kind of love the Father has given to us. That we're his children, right? We see that. That's what he names us in verse one. Right now, we see that a little bit later in verse two. See, in ancient times, the first son um, was, was the primary heir. We, we, we know this, we remember this from, from lessons and and so the eldest son would receive all that the father and the family had. They were the um, propagators of that name, of that reputation, of that wealth, whatever it was. That's who received all the benefits. And what John is, he's just overwhelmed by the fact that each one of you is like the elder brother. Not one of us will receive more. The glory of God that is for children of him is of equal measure to them, to every one of us. It's so grand, it's so glorious. We can't believe that it belongs to each of us. Children want to see their dad. They want to see the commitment their dad has for them. John is seeking to, to stir up in us a sense of wonder, a sense that it's a miracle to be a Christian. Chances are you work really hard for your money. And so when your employer or if you're self-employed, when your accountant cuts the check, you don't say, yes, got paid, right? You work hard for it. Not so to be a child of God. It is a total gift. And this is the true test of what it means to be a Christian. Do you see your life as a gift? Do you, do, is God in your debt or are you in his John shows us that God owes him nothing. He wants to give this kind of committed dad everything. First Presbyterian Church, everyone who is called upon the name of Jesus is a child of God. In not some generic sense, but in such a particular, 
perfect sense. You are his child. And it never ends. The the love the Father has given to us, um, this conjugation of of this word is in the perfect tense. And what what is being conveyed here is what, what made you a child will continue to be with you until the end. You see, the love of God isn't some fruit of the Spirit. It's His essence. It's by His love the world was made. And it's because of His love that His pursuit of us knows no end. The love which has called you from an orphan to child, despite what you messed up this morning, will never change. It's a standing, it's a relationship. You've been adopted by the creator of the universe and it is his love that has been given to you, lavished upon you. The same power of that love that that began it will see to it that it never ends. Has your love for your friend, has it grown over the years? Has your love for um, your spouse grown? I said this, and I'm sure many of you said this when you got married. I don't think I could love you any more than I do. And you learn very quickly that's not true at all. <laughs> you've got a good friend that you've known some time. It's through, it's through time that that love seems to grow. That, that fondness grows. Think of any relationship. Over time, has your affection for someone grown? Absolutely. But God's hasn't. It won't. It can't. Can you believe that who you will be a billion years from now, no matter how beautiful and splendid it is, God will not love you anymore. That's kind of annoying. Yeah, you've got to be loving more for that. No, it's all the same. The silliest example I can think of is, is the love of a dog. I mean, I, even if you don't love dogs, you know this about dogs. I mean, you can beat them and they'll come back to you and like lick your feet. This sort of love, despite your behavior, because it is love given to you by God that called you out of darkness into glorious light, that love will never fade. Your place as a child will never end. So you don't lose your status on a bad week. There's proof throughout this letter. We see who is John addressing? We're not, we haven't read the whole letter, but he addresses children to call, listen to these people he calls children the ones who are disobedient, the ones who hate their siblings, the ones who love the trappings of the world. That's chapter two. Chapter three, he calls children to the false teachers. Chapter four, those who lack assurance. Chapter five, those who worship other gods. In all of these, he still calls his child. If by faith they've received his son. Christian, you don't lose your status as a child. You don't. In fact, you probably are aware of this as much as anything. I'm aware that I'm a father the moment that my children disobey, right? I don't, I don't kick them away. I just, like, I need, to, I need to step in here. I need to love them well. Things are going well. It's usually, I'm just along for the ride. The same is so for the eternal God, the Father of heaven. You don't do anything to, to give up, to, to walk away from, the inheritance which is yours. Remember, he gave away his natural son for his adopted sons and daughters. This love knows no end. It was given to us and it will go on forever. Children, 
want to see their dad. They want to see his commitment to them. Second, they want to see their dad's expectations of them. The only people motivated to please God, as I've sort of mentioned, are those who know that they're loved. I've heard it said that um, the most secure children are the ones who play. A child who's not secure doesn't play. There's a, there's a sense of freedom that is lost when there's, when there's a disconnect between those that, by God's design, should care for them. Children want to see their dad. They want to see their dad's expectations of them. Where am I, where am I getting this? We see most powerfully be like him. Verse 2, at the very end of it. And then earlier in uh, chapter 2, verse 29, practice righteousness. And then finally at the end of the verse, purifies himself as he is pure. Taken together, do you see the expectation God has for his children? And this is what I want you to see and, and, and hear that it's so powerful. Listen, the future of God reigning forever, fully, uh, without blemish, the fog of over uh, LA has lifted. When that moment happens, it is so powerful, even though it's way out in the future, it comes back into the present and it begins to change you. As we want to see him now, we begin to purify ourselves. We, we, we get this principle when whatever it is that you're preoccupied with, you'll likely become like it if it's, if you can become like it. As your mind is filled with something, you, you, you gravitate toward it. You know, there's nothing like a good fanboy or girl, right? They just, uh, they start to look like Taylor Swift and talk like Taylor Swift. And, uh, you know, they learn the songs like Taylor Swift. I'm not talking about me. I think about actors and actresses who have like given themselves into roles. You've heard about some of these. You know, Val Kilmer, when he was, uh, you know, who, who did he want to be? He like practiced um, all, all these songs so that he could be um, this legend. Heath Ledger, remember um, his tragic story? He, how much he threw himself into this tragic character. Joaquin Phoenix as Johnny Cash. I mean, he, he read everything that, that Johnny had ever written um, so that he might himself be like him. Shia LaBeouf in a movie, Fury, evidently he went 30 days without showering and they had to create a whole nother place for him to stay because he was trying to act like he was a part of a tank crew in the 1940s who didn't have a shower. And all of his cast members hated him for it. You see, what we meditate upon, what we see, we begin to move in that direction. My parents are here this morning and one of the things that I never thought I would take with me um, being in proximity to them for these years. There have been two items I carry in my left front pocket every day. It's a small Swiss Army knife and Bird Speed's chapstick. You've heard enough about my chapstick. But the other thing in that pocket is my small Swiss Army knife. I was never told to carry these items. I don't even know why I started doing it. But what I do know is that my dad carries the same two things in the same pocket every day of his morning. To be around someone is to become like them. This is our God's expectation of us. And children want to see this. You see, the greatest uh, person who, who, who entered in a character to, to the nth degree 
It's Jesus. Athanasius wrote, he's a fourth century church father. For the Son of God became man so that we might become God. He didn't just study us from a distance. He became us so that we might become God. Not, not in some demonizational way, but we'll be with him as this passage mysteriously talks about. We'll be like him. You see, expectations, when we have them, they create a longing, right? When you meet an expectation, you want to know the next one. This, this, is, this is growth 101. When we do something and we succeed, the, the next step is what do I need to do for the next one? They create a sense of longing. This is why God our Father gives us these expectations. You see, we... Maybe you're, maybe you're a fan of music and maybe you even like um, live music. And what's the most prevalent seat? The front row. And who wants to sit in the back? If you love that, that group, that person this much, you want to see them. You want to see the light hit their face. You want to you 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 pick up things that you could not see through a big screen. Why do we wait? We see the bride coming down the aisle. We want to see her. Come into view. We all know that privilege without responsibility is gross. And rules without relationship is tyranny. In the gospel, we have both. And it's beautiful. Christian, you are a child of God. A standing of which you cannot change. If, in fact, his love has been received by your heart. And his expectation of you, which you long to know, is to be like him. And what the, the, the beautiful irony is, as you want it, you actually do it. It's not a rule book to adhere to, it's, it's a person to pursue. And you find him lovely because he's given you all that you have. As we wind down, two quotes I, I want to read to you and, and make a closing comment and offer you a reminder as we Finish. Lewis wrote this. It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition, with infinite joy is offered to us like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he can't imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday, of a vacation at the beach change that a little bit. We are far too easily pleased. All right, remember that. 17th century Presbyterian English minister wrote this. When we see Jesus, our understanding can know no more. The will 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 no more. The affections of joy, delight, and love will be at their full rest and quiet in their proper center. What are these two voices reminding us? They're telling you that you have an appetite. You have an appetite intellectually um, for food, uh, for intimacy, all these appetites. And, and, and you often go to consume them and, and, and they just end. They don't, they don't fully fill you up. And what they're reminding us is that you don't want, um, it, your problem, your heart's problem is that you don't want enough, you know? You know, your desires are too weak. 
Because in the presence of Christ, what will happen is all those simple appetites will find satisfaction to an exponential degree. They'll be in their proper place. Do you want that? Do you actually want that? Can you imagine a life that's better than now? Do you want them to come back in 2020? Some of you going to college, some of you get married, some of you have wonderful things going on, some of you get promoted, some of you have children, some of you get a, a relationship will get reconciled that's never been reconciled this year, it's coming year. There's wonderful things. Do we want the one who gives us these things more? It's hard to believe. It is. It's hard for me to believe. I, I, like, I like my life. But, it, but, but if these people are right, if John is right, we need to be reminded that we want to see our dad. We want to see his commitment for us in full display. What does it actually look like to be a child? To have access like you've never seen. What does it look like to have expectations that you excel at every day of your life forever and find utter joy as you do? Your simple appetites are overwhelmed by an appetite for another. Our prayer for us is that we would. We would test our childhood this week as we enter into a new year. We would long for the one who has made his commitment known to us He's reminded us of his expectations. I want to remind you of one more thing. You were born beautiful. You rebelled terribly. God pursued you relentlessly. Your relationship to him knows no end by faith. And all this is true, not because you're special, but because... You're his. Let's pray together. God, we bless you in your son's name. Oh, the day that you would come, capital D day, that you would come. We know that what we, what, what we find to be slowness on your part is actually not that, it's your patience, your desire that your light would shine, that that your justice would roll, like, that, that your presence would overwhelm the earth. This is your desire. And so as we wait, we don't wait for an aloof God. We wait for a patient God. So find us repentant. Find us delighting in your beautiful commitment to us. Find us pursuing you with a wonderful expectation to become pure. It is by this that we are told, we're reminded this morning, the children want to see their dad. Show us yourself fully one day soon, Lord Jesus. Come Christmas Day in his name.